Welcome to Central Assembly of God's podcast. We pray this message speaks to you. Hey, it's my privilege to introduce Joel Van Briggle. Many of you know Joel. uh, As many of you do know, he grew up at Central most of his childhood years up through college. He was called into the ministry at a very young age, and he's currently serving as both an an Assemblies of God world missionary based out of Belgium, but also partnering with Convoy of Hope in a lot of different efforts. So Joel and Gail and their family has been in Belgium for a year and a half on a three-year term. So far, uh, he's working with 22 different countries, partnering with pastors and missionaries. He's helped to plant six churches in just this year and a half. He's working with eight different locations uh, for an Adopt a Community, which is a long-term commitment with stateside churches to come over and partner to help transform communities and has plans for 18 more. So the Lord is using him and his wife in amazing ways. And I know that uh, for those of you who know him and follow his ministry, uh, you're glad to have him here. But why don't we just honor Joel as he comes to preach the word today. I'm not quite sure how to follow that video, but thankfully I'm funny looking, so it should be okay. What a joy to be here and what an honor to uh, stand before you and to recognize uh, that mom's already crying. Um, It is, uh, uh, that's awesome. Thanks, mom. Appreciate that. I already have ADD. This is not really easy. Uh, We are, uh, I'm so thankful to be standing before you and to recognize God's hand of provision and God's faithfulness. And I want to say a huge thank you for your partnership with us and enabling us to be your hands and feet all over Eastern Europe. And I want to say a huge thank you for your prayers. For many of you who are here this morning seeing me for the first time uh, since a little medical incident. Anybody heard about that little medical incident? It's just a little simple little thing that happened on November 20th. Of 2015, I was standing behind a pulpit just like this and uh, was speaking to uh, Continental Theological Seminary students when I started to feel like I was going to faint. Doc, I'll try to let you know if I feel that again this morning. But as I thought, this is just a very strange feeling, and I thought, Joel, just keep speaking. Just keep speaking. You're going to be just fine. And then the next thing I know, I woke up as I had collapsed there on the platform and my colleague was there with me. I was out for five and a half minutes and paramedics arrived and uh, they scooped me up, which sounds a whole lot easier than it probably was. (laughs) And I don't know what you're laughing at. Um, (laughs) And they rushed me to the hospital and uh, diagnosed me there with a ruptured brain aneurysm. Now, there aren't a lot of sentences that are good with the word aneurysm in it. But as I stand before you, I recognize today that God is faithful. God is faithful. One in five die instantly. And of those who survive, 55% die in the first 48 hours. Nine out of 10 of them will have long-term debilitating difficulties and complications. I'm standing before you today having helped dredge a river in Macedonia. 
And mostly everything's normal. I'll let you determine through this message what is and what isn't. If there is any lapse in this momentary uh, time of sharing with you, I had an aneurysm, okay? So God is good, amen? amen? Well, there was a song in my heart, and I was actually almost assaulted this morning. Uh, I, I visited the Pastor Don O'Hare's Sunday school class, and it wasn't, Joel, it's good to see you. It's, are you singing today? Well, it wasn't quite like that, but... Yeah, actually it was. So there was a song in my heart that I've just wanted to share with you because, and it's, it's a song called uh, The Awesome God You Are. And uh, Pastor Kurt very aptly said, that sounds like Yoda. The awesome God you are. Well, it's, focus, Joel, focus. Bring it home, Joel, bring it home. Would you worship with me today? It's a simple song uh, that just talks about the awesomeness of God. And as I stand before you today, I recognize that I am here only because of God's hand and his favor and his raising me up from that very moment. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Let your majesty speak peace to me and chase my fears away. To my heart I preach your sovereignty and the power of your name. How stand in awe of you.
your voice to him this morning. Lord, we bless your name, oh Lord. There is no one else like you, oh God. You alone are awesome, Lord. We look to you, the one where our help comes from. Oh, oh. We bless your name, oh Lord, oh Lord. Yeah. Lord, I thank you that you are truly awesome, oh God. Lord, there is no one else who compares with you. Lord, you're the one that breathes into dead bones and they rise again. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, nothing is impossible with you. That with you, all things are possible. Lord, I love you so much. Lord, I pray that you would add your anointing and your blessing to the reading of God's word today. Lord, we love you and we praise you in your precious name. Amen and amen. Amen. God is awesome. What a joy to be here on Pastor Appreciation. For those of you who don't know, before I went on to the field, I pastored for nine years. And pastors don't do what they do for appreciation. I don't know if you know that or not. If they did, I could tell you it would be miserable, wouldn't it? God bless it. They don't do it for appreciation. I remember pastoring in the last church I pastored in, and I pastored there six years, and three years, the church just, it was an oversight. They forgot about pastor appreciation. And you know what? It was one of those things where you had to kind of come back to Jesus and say, you don't do this for appreciation. But let me tell you, when you start to go to, I remember going to ministers' conferences after and people talking about how their church blessed them. And I thought to myself, Lord, I love you. And I love serving you. Friends, you don't know the hours and the things. Some of you looked across that platform and thought, this staff is huge. They only work one day a week. <laughs> Can I tell you there are late night hours there's anguish, there's love. There's this, there's this love that comes deep within you as a pastor for each and every one of you. And a care that you don't even see. And every decision in a church has 13 angles. And only six of them are gonna be happy. Appreciate your pastors and pray for them and love them. They have given themselves to you as an offering to you. And so I encourage you, not only today, but even appreciate them all month. And then next month when nobody appreciates them. <laughs> keep doing it and keep praying because you know what? God will bless you. He already is blessing you through their ministry. And then when you have an opportunity to just bless them and love them and put your arm around them. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. I wanna look in Hebrews chapter 11. I love that you guys have been talking about faith because it was just the message that was laid on my heart. And out of 
Hebrews chapter 11. How many of you know someone who just has great faith? Can you almost, there's two of you, that's awesome. (laughs) Then this message is for you folks. Isn't there just certain people in your life that you go to when things are not going right, that you know somehow they seem to have the short line to God, that they just have him on speed dial? Let me tell you, there are great people of faith, but I want to tell you today that God desires for all of us to have faith. Look at the person next to you and say, you should have faith. Look back at that person and say, you should have more. (laughs) All right. All of us uh, need faith in our lives. And I want to talk about that a little bit. But would you like to have greater faith? Would you like to be that person that uh, is the go-to person? I think it'd be pretty cool because you know what? God isn't a, a, a respecter of persons. He doesn't look down and say, well, you have an edge or you have, no, God is no respecter of persons. He will give you to the capacity that you avail yourself to him. Amen? Okay, there's six of you, we're working. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 says this. Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. They had faith for what they didn't see. I want to make a little side note, and I'm going to give a, little, a couple woven ideas here about faith this morning. But one of the things that I want us to know is that the walk of faith doesn't mysteriously mature to a walk of sight. Let's think about that again. Our walk of faith doesn't mysteriously or mature to become a a walk of sight. We don't, how many of you would like it to be? There's many times I've looked and said, why? I want to know why. I want to see what's going on. But the truth is, it requires each and every one of us in humility to recognize that we don't know, that we can't do it on our own, that we need to rely on him and put our faith in him and in him alone. Amen? It goes on to say that they were the ancients, that they were, what they were commended for. All through this passage, There is, uh, in verse number three, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. We see verse number four, that Abel brought a better, uh, uh, God, a better offering than Cain did. Enoch was beamed up. How cool is that? That's pretty progressive, don't you think? It's a little ahead of its time. I remember Anthony telling me he was gonna build a teleporter. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, you know, there's just a little bit of space between each atom. And we have to figure out how to reduce that in order to be able to transport. At this point, I was like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about, but I'm going to (laughs) nod. But God did it. Enoch was there and then poof, he was gone. He was with God. 
And what does it say about him? It says it was because he was commended as one who pleased God. How many want to please God? (laughs) You're getting better. For those 13, I'm praying for you. All right. We all want to please God. And as pastor alluded to earlier, verse number six, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And then like a lawyer's brief begins to go line by line and it says, by faith, this occurred. It's a tremendous chapter. It's a, it's a, it makes my heart leap when I think about what God has done throughout the history I want to give a couple ideas here as we move forward, but uh, it it talks about in verse 17, uh, the faith of Abraham. And then the verse 20 was Isaac who blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. And then by faith, Joseph in verse 22, verse 23 was Moses' parents. How many of you would stick your kid in the river? Okay, don't answer that. All right, so (laughs) by faith, Moses... Sign up for counseling this week. All right. (laughs) By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. The walls of Jericho fell. And verse number 31, the faith of the prostitute Rahab. How many of you are thankful that God redeems? That he takes the lowly things of earth and redeems them. We went into a village where we had planned for six months in Stefanesh, Romania. And we are partnering with them for three years to plant a church. There is no evangelical Pentecostal church in Stefanesh, Romania. It's a town of over 5,000 people, and there is no church there. And so we're in the process of planting a church, and we had set up with the mayor all sorts of wonderful projects. Well, one month before our, my first team arrived, the mayor was voted out of office. The new mayor was voted in, and so the pastor set up a meeting with, with the, the new mayor. And uh, she, of course, like the first mayor, was not a believer uh, and uh, wanted nothing to do with us coming in at all and scrapped all of the projects. I literally was standing in the airport with a smile on my face, waiting for a team to come out of the airplane having no idea what in the world they were going to do. But the one thing I know is when I receive uh, much opposition, it's usually where God wants to come in and do something special. So we scrambled with the local pastor and began praying. We were able to get a list of the most needy, impoverished families in all of Stefanesh. We began to put together food parcels and put together gifts and hygiene products and different things to go door to door. And we ended up doing a yard makeover. We went to this impoverished family and we could see that everything was just grown up. There was no man in the house. There was uh, uh, just a mother and her daughter and her, her elderly mother at this home. And as we began to uh, prep and began to do this yard makeover just to be a blessing, just to say we love you and we care about your life. The neighbor lady yelled the whole time. We couldn't see her because she was below the fence. 
but we could hear her. As she yelled and yelled, why in the, I, I learned through the translator, she was saying, why in the world are you helping that family? When you leave in a week, that yard will be back to a mess. Why would you help her? She has a terrible reputation. What we learned very quickly was the young girl was a prostitute. And as I began, I, I thought to myself, the pastors had tried to get the woman to quiet down. I decided to go out to our van, which was filled with beautiful flowers. And I picked out a big, lovely, beautiful one. I put on some Washington charm. <laughs> Those of you know, I don't really have any, but I grabbed a plant and I went over to the gate and I, with the translator and the pastor there, began talking to the woman and I said, I see that you take care of your yard and that you have beautiful flowers. And this flower would be perfect in your yard. And I know that you would care for it. Would you please receive it? And she looked at me a little bit mystified and then she decided to keep yelling. She said, thank you, but why are you helping that girl? Why are you helping that family? Why are you, why do you care? Why are you, why would you even waste your time? And I looked at the woman and I said, we're not here to help the perfect. We're here to help the broken. And as I began to see God begin to melt the heart of this family and began to see God do a work, I'm thankful that God in his divine time had us exactly where he wanted us. And as the pastor began to talk to me, this was the real miracle that took place. He's the pastor that's planting the church. He looked at me and he said, Joel, he said, can I be honest with you? And I said, well, I hope you haven't been lying to me. <laughs> he said, I wanna tell you that as I've been thinking about planting this church, I look at this family that we're helping and they really, she doesn't really make a good building block for a church, you know? And he began to say it with conviction in his heart recognizing that God was doing something. And I looked at him and I said, who was the greatest evangelist in all of the New Testament? He said, the woman at the well. You see, when faith begins to be birthed, things begin to transform. And friends, God will birth in us a faith if we just allow ourselves to recognize that we are all broken. We're all in need of him. And were it not for him reaching down and rescuing us, where would we be? So I'm thankful that Rahab, the prostitute, is mentioned here because of her faith. Amen? Verse 32, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, and really, literally, I don't. Barak, Samson, Japheth, about David and Samuel and the prophets. For those whose faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, uh, who shut out the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again, there were others who were tortured, refused to be received, uh, to be released so that they gain a better 
resurrection. Some face jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. Sounds like a great crew, huh? How many of you want to have faith? Be careful what you're asking for. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. And they went around in sheepskins and goat, goat skins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. I want to say a few things about faith. In the spirit of Pastor Volp, this will be conclusion number one. Because it's not really the conclusion, but we've got to get there. I want you to feel deep inside that you're getting there. Faith is always based on evidence. Base, I had an aneurysm, just go with me. Faith was all, is always based on evidence. God never asked you to believe something he didn't provide evidence for. Look at this chapter. It is a litany of a list, a didactic list of how God has been faithful through the generations. I can believe in God because I have seen his handiwork. I have seen what he is capable of. I can see how he raised me up on that platform that day. I can see how he was with me in Bosnia when 10 Mercedes in front of me stop on a, a lane and a half road and they all pour out of their cars and begin shooting guns. And I'm thinking to myself, what's going on here? Let me tell you, there was a little bit of fear there. There was a little bit of what's happening here. And then there was a little bit of come back to reality. And there was a moment where I said, whatever they're for, I'm for. <laughs> Jesus said, be gentle as a dove, but wise as a serpent. This is important, friends. I can tell you, I've been in circumstances that I didn't know what God was gonna do. I know when we were walking through the village taking photographs so that the impoverished families that were there who had never had a printed photograph in their home could have their own family portrait. When we walk up to Anka, who I think pastor shared the story, but she had a large bandage on her neck she had just had thyroid surgery and she was planned for three more surgeries because she had multiple tumors and cancer. She was five years old. I got news for you. I don't understand. I don't know why. But what I do know is we took her picture and we began to pray for her. And that was on a Wednesday. And I got a call on Friday from our translator who said, pastor just called me and he told me that the little girl went to the hospital that morning. My heart sunk for a moment. And then he said, well, guess what? The doctors are mystified. They've canceled the three surgeries. There are no tumors and there are no cancer. There is a mountain of evidence if you will look around. If you will look back in your life, you will see, even when you didn't recognize it, how God was with you every step of the way. Faith is always based on God. We should never put our faith in faith. Christians, please stop walking up to people and say, 
Well, if you just had enough faith. If you want to understand faith, my faith is rooted in God. It's rooted in God alone. I, uh, President Lednecki of Central, former, ah, blah, whatever. <laughs> he was the president of my Bible college. He always said, and I love you, Dr. Lednecki, if you're watching this message. <laughs> he always said that we hold firmly to the hand of God. We hold firmly to him uh, in God's omnipotence, that God is all powerful and that the other hand we hold with God's omniscience. He is all wise. Friends, when we put our faith in God, we, we acknowledge that he is all powerful. He can do anything. He can do anything. I'm okay, duck. He can do anything. He'll raise the dead. He can open blind eyes. He can let the deaf hear again. God is all powerful. He's greater than your greatest need. The most difficult circumstance that you're facing, he's greater. He is not only all powerful, but he's all wise. Now that's the one that we have a hard time with because we don't always understand. We don't always understand why one is healed and why one is, uh, another is not in the way that we thought. Let me tell you, my faith isn't based on results. My faith isn't based on circumstances. My faith rests in him and in him alone. It is in him and him alone. We often know the what, but God knows the why. What are you facing that seems to have you gripped with fear? You know, as we were singing earlier and as we were praying, I just had a picture of a heart. And we, we sang, God, I give you all of my heart. But some of us have locked doors in our heart. Some of us have sections that we've said, God, everything else, but not right here. This is my little secret room. It's my little secret place. It's the place that I hold on to. Do you believe that God is all powerful? Do you believe that he is all wise? Friends, you can trust him with your heart. He has the... Uh, he has the ability and he has the integrity to follow through on every one of his promises. When I put my faith in him, it makes everything different. But what if I look at the evidence in my life? God has rescued his people. God has provided miraculously. God is powerful healer. Jesus is the named the Prince of Peace. Jesus took upon himself the penalty and the payment of my sin so that I could be forgiven, so that you could be forgiven. I want to tell you, I've seen God be faithful over and over again throughout this year. 
In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Because there are some people here that have not responded in faith to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you that I'm not asking you to put your faith in Christ blindly. I'm not asking you to check your brain at the door. I'm asking you with every ounce of intellect that you think you can muster together and with every, um, every bit of testimony that sits around you of what God has done in lives. You see, I'm planting a, I'm, I'm helping the partner plant. With a church with a pastor named Pastor Emery. He is a convicted murderer. God rescued him in a jail cell when he had already tied his sheets on his birthday. When no one acknowledged his birthday, when nobody cared, when nobody loved him. And another inmate came and said, can I sit on your bed? Which you never do in prison. And as he was sitting there, the inmate said to him, I just wanted to stop by to tell you that God loves you and he wants to forgive you. And, Pat, and Emery turned on his bed and wept until about three o'clock in the morning. Another thing you don't do in prison. But God began to break down the walls. Let me tell you, that church is thriving in Compold Hungary. God is doing a marvelous work through this man who was released after 11 years and immediately went to an elder in the region and said, would you please disciple me? I want to know more about Christ. I want to be able to share. And he realized that the city where he killed a man in Kampold was the very city that had never heard about this Jesus Christ. Got on his bicycle and began going door to door. And now a church exists because of what God has done. I want to tell you, there's no one here that has done something too great that God can't reach you. The question is, will you respond in faith? Will you say, God, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but I trust you today. I'm gonna put my faith in you. I'm gonna ask you to respond in a moment. And I want you to see in this, how this very passage ends in verse number 39. I want you to see something that you might not have seen. How many of you know when you're reading a list, you kind of start to breeze through it? You ever done that? I never have. I don't know why you have. <laughs> These all were commended for faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. And since God planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I want you to grab a hold of this and you've probably read that scripture verse with me and you thought, what in the world did I just read? Friends, what the writer of Hebrews is telling the church is that we are impacted by the faith of Abraham. That faith is not an instant moment, but it's a continuum throughout the generations. You see, the church was impacted by the faith of Hebrews chapter 11, those who have gone before. And in the very same way, there are people that sat in your pew who have cried tears for you so that you would be here today. Some who have passed away and have gone on to be with Jesus had faith in a moment that you would be here this hour. 
I believe that you are here because God ordained this moment. I believe you are here because there were those who had faith and who believed, and you today will be the recipient of their faith. So if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, today is the day. If you are sitting here today and you are gripped by fear, if you are facing circumstances that seem overwhelming, I want to tell you today, my friend, that God is here and he is all powerful. He is all wise. And I want to ask you, what are you believing for today that will impact future generations? Will that get quiet? What are you believing for today? What are you praying in faith that other people will be impacted in a ripple way until Jesus comes? I want to ask God this morning to stretch our faith. I believe he has more. I believe that all of Washington County needs to shake with the love of Jesus Christ, the need to encounter a faith that's not a blind faith, but one that's based on evidence. I want you to know that you're sitting around your evidence. There are people all around of you that all have stories. Some of you might say, yeah, but you don't know the circumstances I'm going through. Friends, you're right, I don't. I don't know what you might be facing, but I can tell you that he has been faithful to me and my family every step of the journey. I want to pray with you now. Would you bow your heads and your hearts? Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.